0: Of stepping out and stepping up. A time of reward. But to get the reward, you must step out. Stepping out means stepping up. Stepping into the things of God <coughs> are so important to this congregation and what lies ahead. For stepping out means faith. Stepping in and going forward is faith. For faith is always forward. Faith always takes ground. We're called to step out into this reward today. And by stepping into it, we're laying the groundwork for things that lie ahead. It takes a people of faith to step into God, it takes a people of love to step in, it takes a people of unity. We need to call these things out as we move today into the things of God for it's not into things of self but into the things of God. For the plan is not of man but of God. How important? It's very important that we do this in the utmost power of God's love and unity. For the Bible says and God says love never fails. We're on a mission. Like Paul, the other apostles, we're on a mission. We need to take it seriously. We need to be serious, but full of love and joy. Because our unity will conquer all division. Who we are and what we are is not in the flesh, but we're of God. And we need to move that way. We need to talk that way. And conquer we will, because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. In Jesus' name, we will get it done. Right? Amen. Amen.
1: All authority is his. He has all authority over everything. And I just heard the Lord speaking about that to me is that he has all authority and anything that we believe other than that is a lie. The enemy wants us to believe that he has authority over some areas in life. He doesn't. The only authority that the enemy has is the authority that we give him. The authority, the, the areas that we allow him to take authority over. God has authority over everything. Everything. And if the enemy is taking authority over anything, he's lying, and we're believing it. And it's in his presence that it starts. That's where the believing starts. When we spend time in his presence, when we allow his presence, when we welcome his presence in to our lives. Into every area, God's authority begins to to take hold, to take place, to move. And it's a lie that Satan has, that we, we can't bring that authority into our workplace, that we can't take that authority out into this world. That's a lie. God gives us that authority to affect the world around us. To take it out, as Vern said, in love and joy and peace and to affect those things around us in every area of life. God has authority, all authority. And if we think anything different, it's a lie. We need to stop thinking that we can't have authority at work, that we can't pray and be effective in our workplace and in, our, in the mall, in the grocery store, wherever. Take that authority and affect the lives of the people that you have influence over. Amen? Last person to sit gets to pray for the offering. I'm watching. <laughs> All right, let's see, let's see. Ooh. Oh, that's between Jim and... and oh, Kathy, you aren't in your seat. You've got to be in your right seat. All right, ushers, if you could get ready for the offering, Kathy's going to pray for us. I'm still standing, but I have the mic and control and all authority. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Come on up, Kathy. Come on, ushers. Uh, get ready for the offer. Op- I'm serious. Yeah, you thought I was kidding. You ain't messing around here. <laughs> all right. Give us your best, best offering message. <laughs>
2: Right now. Isn't God good? <laughs> he is good. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna pray. <clears throat> Father, you are so good and you Lord, you supply all our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and your word is sown in our hearts. And that we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and the voice of another we wouldn't follow. And, Father, you are for us and not against us. And, Father, we ask you right now to just, as you're filling this place, that you're just speaking to our hearts and you're showing us what to give today and that, Lord, that you are working all things out for good in each one of our lives, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your glorious riches. And that, Lord, that you bestow those upon us, Father God, to give. Maybe not... um, monetarily, but, Father God, that you, you also give us what we need, Father God, to give out to others, to, Lord, to speak into lives, and to, Lord, for, to use us, to use us for your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as being done and declared in heaven, and we give you the glory and honor and praise, Father God, for this day, and we thank you, Father God, that you do go before us and be our rear guard, and, that, Father, that you are working all things out for good that you're showing us things this day, that, Lord, that we stand on your word and we proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Pretty good impromptu prayer there. <laughs> word says be ready in season and out, right? Amen. All right, turn it over to Pastor John.
3: Thank you. Okay, Ricky, all those verses that I emailed you, skip them. Um, I'm going to give you new ones. So I'll write these down real quick, and I'll give you a little bit of time to find them. That everybody else can find them while I'm doing there, because you should have your own Bibles, right? Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 28. Luke chapter 9, 28 through 51. 28 through 51. Um Before we begin this morning, before I give, like I'm saying, I'm going to give Ricky a little bit of time to find those verses. If you have your cell phones, please take your cell phones out, please. Take your cell phones out if you have them. And turn them down. Everybody say with me, I'm turning my phone down. I'm turning it off of sound. Sound. And I'm turning the vibrator off. Turn it off of... Don't know how to do that. Well, <laughs> good luck. And the reason being is this, is I keep hearing the word distractions. Distractions. All morning long, I've been being distracted. And actually, the sermon I'm going to preach here in just a moment is about Distractions. This world is full of distractions. This world is full of things that are trying to keep you off of the focus that God has for you. This world has everything to keep you off of what's important. This world has everything, this world, the flesh, the, the, you know, everything is trying to keep you from focusing on Jesus. Jesus. Are we ready, Ricky? No. No. Well, I'm not waiting any longer. Catch up with me as we go. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 28. Just to put this in context, these series of verses are taken somewhere between a week, or this, this, these things that happened are from a week to two weeks before the triumphal entry. Somewhere between a week and two weeks before Jesus goes to Jerusalem. It talks about it. It says that these things happened as he was headed, just, just before he was to be taken up. These things, all this these, uh, uh, this scenario, the things that are about to happen here, and I don't know if you knew that before, and actually I didn't really have a deep understanding of it until uh, worship. And the Lord put this verse, these verses on my heart and said that, talked about distractions. So let's, let's start to read there. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 28. It says, "...about eight days after these sayings, took, uh, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white." And behold, two men were take were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. So that's how we know that that happened right before the the Passion Week. This week is the, what's called the Passion Week or Holy Week. It begins with Palm Sunday. It ends with uh, Easter next Sunday. And, you know, we we as a church are not very liturgic. Now, you might think, you watch your mouth, don't talk like, you know, you, do you understand what liturgic means? Most be, most older people know. Did you know what liturgic meant? Exactly. Yes. Did you know what liturgic meant? Huh? You don't care? What did you say? Oh. Sorry, I, I didn't hear her. She said, I, I have a guess. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Liturgic means that we follow the you know the the set patterns of the church that have been passed down from thousand, you know for two thousand years. We follow the calendar, we follow the the saints, and you have you say the same things on the same days every year. And there's a certain level of of uh, tradition that is good. You know, I'm not saying those things are bad. Um, it's just if that's what if that's all your relationship with God is is a series of saints and a series of of traditions then you're missing the point of a relationship with the living God. But we live, this, what we're entering into, so I mean, okay, so back up. So as a church, we don't necessarily follow this liturgical calendar, this this, uh, this, this thing. You know, the way somebody said to me, oh, I bet this season is really busy for you. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's really busy because a lot of things are going on. And they said, because it's Easter. And I thought, well, no, Easter is not any more busier than not Easter. <laughs> I don't, is that a season? Not Easter, whatever that is. But you know, like Christmas is the same thing. Oh, I bet this Christmas season's busy. No, it's just, you know, we, we celebrate Christmas every day. I celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth and lived every day. I celebrate the fact that he died on the cross for my sins every day. I'm just excited. I thank him for it, for that forgiveness and that love. So we don't need a tradition to, to, to highlight it, but to understand what was going on is important. So, he verse 31, who appeared in glory spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Verse 32, Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he, was sa- what he said. So we've heard, you've heard teachings on this before that, that Peter got excited and he started focusing on, wow, look what just happened here. Look at this event. We need to build a tabernacle right here. We need to build a place to worship right here. This needs to be a holy place. Obviously it is a holy place, right? I mean, Jesus is glowing. He's shining. His face is shining. You know, something supernatural is happening. You know, uh, two men of old are there. You know, and, and obviously they recognize them. How do you recognize something? Well, they were in the glory too. It says that they were, they were seeing everything that was going on, and they probably had a supernatural understanding of who these men were. I mean, that's a pretty significant event. And Peter just does what everybody else would. This is important. This is, this is significant. This is huge. We need to build a shrine. Distraction. Because Jesus knew where he was headed. Jesus knew what the purpose was. He knew what the purpose was from the very beginning. He knew what the purpose was from the, the reason, the very reason that he came to this earth. At twelve years old he understood it. He says, I must be about my father's business. You know, he, he says that he understood who he was by the word that was written about him, in you know, seeing his name, seeing his life in the word. He understood what was going on. He knew he had been telling them, guys, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die. Somewhere in there, Peter—you know, whether it's before this or after this—I'm not, not sure exactly—but Peter says, "Oh no, not you, Lord! You don't need to do that distraction." He is—he knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He's focused on the plan, and he's walking out the plan. And yet, here somebody—here's his three closest friends on earth—who say, "We need to stop right here and build a shrine," because God did something significant here. Now, it's okay to celebrate amazing things. You know, it's, it's good to celebrate successes. It's good to celebrate, uh, you know, it's good to, to recount, give testimony of what God has done in your life. But you don't stop there. You know, Pastor Dan and Claudia and I were talking this week about 1994, 1994 Pastor Dan, and he starts laughing immediately every time I, we tell the story. 1994, uh, Pastor Dan, myself, Pastor Kevin Humphrey from, from Abundant Life, and uh, Roger Bruin went to Lakeland, Florida. And we spent a week in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, we went there to go golfing. At least I went there to go golfing. Um, we all did. Well, we all did, yeah. And it, but you knew something, I, you know, you understood something I didn't, and, and there was some revival meetings going on there that when we went, the whole plan was if the revival meetings were boring, we were just going to golf all the time. Okay, that's how spiritual we are. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just like everybody else. You know, okay, we'll go check out the revival meetings, but if it doesn't work, you know, we'll go golfing all the time. And so we ended up golfing every day. Uh, to- tried to golf every day, yeah. But it was, those meetings changed our lives. It did. It changed, it changed my concept of how God moves in the world today, it reaffirms some things. I had experienced some things early on in my walk with God um, that I couldn't explain. I mean, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. That—that that you know, every, a lot of people, a lot of charismatic and Word of Faith and 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 Pentecostal churches talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost and you know speaking in tongues. And that's you know that's strange stuff, but. To be in a place where the manifest power of God is moving powerfully, and you you can see the effects in people's lives, and you see power like I had never seen before, and strange things, very very strange things, yet they were God, because people's lives were changing, our lives changed, they were amazing, they you know, and the, the idea of what God did, God set you guys on a course that week to the nations God set me on a course God showed me things that week that some there's there's only been one time that I've ever shared there was an event that happened that week I've only shared with one group of people before if you were part of the the uh uh, school of transformation a while back I shared I shared something that happened that night because it was so supernatural I don't talk about it but the Lord had me to share about it that night and I'm not going to share about it now should have been there but amazing things happened. But you don't stay there. You don't stay there. You don't, you don't get distracted by something that did happen. Do you have a testimony of what God has done recently? Or do you only have the testimony that, of what God did 20 years ago? You can't stay there. There's always more. There's, we're, we're headed in a direction. Christianity is not a stagnant edifice. There's too many stagnant stagnant edifices. Do you know what edifices are? I'm using big words today. I don't know why. It's just coming out. Big stone, big monuments, big stone buildings that said God used to be here. God did something amazing here. I've been to, to Bristol, England, where... John Wesley preached to tens of thousands of people in open fields. And there's a big rock that says, John Wesley preached here to tens of thousands of people. But what happened today? What's happening today? Now, I know a pastor in Bristol, and God's moving in Bristol. But that's not the point. The point is, we can't just stop somewhere and get distracted by what we have done. Sit on our laurels. And... Say, you know what? We did it. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, you know I did it. I was there. I was there in 1994 when you moved mightily, and I was a part of it, and that's all it. That's, that's all I need to do. No, there's today. You notice I didn't even say there's tomorrow. Because that's a distraction, isn't it? Worried about what tomorrow is always. But what are you doing today? What's God doing right now in our hearts? But Peter gets distracted He tries to distract Jesus. Jesus does what Jesus does. He ignores him. (laughs) As he was saying these things, a cloud came, and this is verse 34. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Because Jesus said, don't tell them. Don't tell them what what you saw until, in a different different part of the Bible, in a different part of the the Gospels, he tells them, don't say anything. Until after I, I resurrect, then you can tell the story. Why? Because people would have been distracted and went, "Ooh, We have to understand what that was. You know, there's, there, you could build theologies around Elijah and, and Moses talking to Jesus. You could actually, I mean, I, I, could, I could do it. I could take us to a place that you don't need to go. It doesn't matter. Apparently it didn't matter because Jesus said, "This doesn't, you know, don't say anything until afterwards. Then you can tell the story that you were there when this happened. Because that wasn't what was important. What wasn't important was the mountaintop experience with the the glory and the shining and the the Moses and Elijah. That was not the most important part of Jesus' life. That was yet to come. But how many people would stop there? Because that's pretty cool. How many people would have stopped in 1994? But you didn't. We didn't. We're still moving forward, still moving, the direction God's calling us to go. Verse 37. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, so they got past that distraction. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great cloud or a great crowd met him, And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him and suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. That was not very nice. I mean, how many of you just, as I'm reading that, thinking, Jesus, that's not very nice. Really? That's very insensitive. That is not just a microaggression. That is a macroaggression. People were getting triggered everywhere. Jesus we're so offended oh this world is a distraction (laughs) isn't it just okay whoa whoa I almost said something I'm not speaking to anyone in this room I'm speaking to the world just grow up grow up okay if I needed to speak to somebody in this room just take it you know accept it (laughs) But that was not the point of what I was about to say. I see I okay, I'll move back. Go okay, ahead. Okay, back on the focus. <laughs> Distractions. Box elder bug. <laughs> wow. Wow. You are so shiny thing. Wow. Squirrel. All right. Verse 42. While he was coming, the demon threw him into the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. Distractions. If Satan can't distract you with focusing on something that really isn't important, even though it seems like it's really important, glowing Jesus, you know, shining everywhere, big cloud, two guys do two, two dead guys, you know, or seemingly dead guys appearing, talking about, you know, oh my gosh, doesn't you know, that is that should be important, right? That should be a po- If he can't distract you with super supernatural super things, then the demons will come out and start screaming and yelling and and Pulling your, your focus towards something else. If you've ever had to deal with a demon. Anybody here ever had to deal with, I mean, really deal with a demon? Handful. Yeah. Every time, every time I've ever experienced it. Where I've been in a situation where we had to cast out a demon. Every time. It, is, it, tra- it makes the biggest scene possible. Screaming, yelling, spitting, turning, throwing itself on the ground. Why? Because it's trying to distract you from the authority that you have. You don't have to deal with this thing. Just get out. Amen. Get out. That's all. You, in the name of Jesus, get out. That's it. it that's all. It, you don't have to know the name of it. That's a distraction. What is your name? What do I care? I don't care what the name is. Get out. You're a demon. Get out. I'm really excited cuz nobody jumped up and ran out. That has happened before. That has happened before. <laughs> One night I was I was living in before I met or before we were married, I was living in an apartment. And I woke up at, at midnight, and I had to be to work at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the people downstairs were screaming and yelling, and they were fighting, and there was just, it was, I mean, the guy was a drug dealer, and they were, a, they, that, that whole thing was an absolute mess. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, oh, I just want to go to sleep. And so I just offhandedly say, in the name of Jesus, Spirit, get out of this house. And all of a sudden, the door flew open downstairs, and both people ran out and ran down the road. I was like, huh, well, that's one way to deal with that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: have
3: we have authority. I was half asleep, went back to sleep. Distractions. So, so you know, sometimes you can, you can think that this attack, this, this, this uh, demonic attack is so scary and is trying to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. Just get out of the way. Satan, get out of the way. Satan, get out of the way. Today, get out of the way. Get out of our way, because we're going to Prescott today. We're going to Prescott, and the plan of God is being fulfilled moment by moment, day by day, situation by situation, action by action, and no, nothing on this earth, in, in the heavenly realms, inside the earth, outside, inside people, outside people, nothing hinders the plan of God. Satan, get out of the way in the name of Jesus. That's it. We have authority. We don't have to be distracted. I don't spend, I spend so little time thinking about demonic anything. I don't care. If it gets in the way, it's going to be out. And we're going to deal with it. Get out. I've told this story before. But when we first moved in, you know, a couple different times we moved into houses that somebody else occupied, we'd wake up in the middle of the night and be being attacked spiritually. Anybody ever experienced that before? You, you've been in a place, hotel rooms, oh my gosh. For those of you who travel, you're in a hotel room and you wake up and you go, what in the, I don't think those thoughts. What is going on here? Well, okay, there's stuff going on. So you just take authority. In the name of Jesus, get out. Get out of this room, get out of this hotel, get off this floor. Get out of the county. I'm on, Get out of here. Leave me alone. Get out of my house. You don't have authority to be in my house. My house has been bought with the blood of Jesus because I live here, and my wife lives here, my kids live here. Get away from my children. Get away from my vehicles. Get off of our yard. Get out of my neighborhood. In the name of Jesus, get out. There's been a number of nights I had to wake up, and you just know there's an attack going on. Get out. In the name of Jesus, get out. And it gets out. I woke up in the middle of the night, and Deb is going, get out in the name of Jesus. I know she's not talking to me. <laughs> but she's taking care of business. And she's not, oh, please leave us alone. No, get out. By i legion. I don't care. All of you get out. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big you are. I don't care if you're the prince of whatever. Bel-Air. I don't care. Get out. <laughs> My mind. But that was another distraction. He's on the mountain. They're talking about here's what's going to happen. Paul, you know, Peter gets, oh, we got to stay here. We've got to stay right here. I don't want to move. No, Peter, that's not the plan. We've got to get going. We're headed that way. That's Jerusalem. Well, then we get down to the bottom, they get down to the bottom, and all of a sudden, demons, we are going to stop you. Now, get out of the way. Get out of him, leave him alone. And, and you can tell Jesus is ticked. You, you foolish, stupid people. Why do you keep putting up with this junk? How long do I have to put up with this? I've been telling you from day one, you have authority. Deal with it. We don't have to put up with this. Take our authority and move forward. Don't waste a second on demonic blah 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 blah. I'm in a mood today. Let's do it. Whew. Verse 43. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were mar- while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, "Let these words sink into your ears." Now, he doesn't have those kind of emphasis in the word, but you can hear it, can't you? Let these words sink. Because the whole crowd is being distracted by, did you just see what happened? He has authority over demons. Dude, this guy's useful. We need to hang out with him. Wow. And they have no idea what's about to happen. Nobody does, except Jesus He knows what's about to happen. You know, very short from that moment, from from this day, what's going to happen during the Holy, the Passion Week, his focus was on completing the plan. We have to complete the plan. We don't just start doing the plan and we get points for doing the plan and then we were doing our plan, Lord. We were doing the plan. We never actually accomplished anything, but we were doing it. No. We take ground. We move forward. We finish the plan. While they were marveling, Jesus said, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. He knew exactly what was going on. But they did not understand. Verse 45, They did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them, so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. We are going to Prescott, Wisconsin, and taking ground today. That's what we're doing. We are not going there to have a good time, to have a religious service. We're not going there to just say we did something spiritual on Palm Sunday. We are going there to take ground. Spiritual ground and physical ground. Why? I don't know all the answers, but what I do know is God said, Go to Prescott. He's been saying it for well over a year. I still remember that uh, 13 months ago in February when I went to that conference and the Holy Spirit started dealing with me. Just convicted the s- <laughs> <laughs> snot. snot. Yes, convicted the snot out of me. That's what was coming out. So sorry. Con- convicted me deeply. That we were supposed to start starting churches. And somebody said, well, where would you start? And I said, oh, I don't want to say. I knew exactly where we were supposed to go. I knew from, from day one it was supposed to be Prescott, but I had to know for sure. We had I had to keep listening. You keep asking until you know for sure, and then you move. Why Prescott? I don't know all of the... I don't have to know all of the supernatural things that are going to go on. We probably don't know. We won't know until the end of eternity. And then we see the film and we see everything that happened. But what I know is we have a part to play. I have a part to play. I know what what my part to play is. And we're going there. And it is bigger than you think. It is more important than you think. For all the reasons that God knows. He said, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand. I don't understand everything. I don't have to understand. I just need to, I know, I need to understand what I know and then obey. So he's saying to them, guys, focus. We're going to Jerusalem. There, I'm going to be delivered over to the hands of men. And they, they didn't get it. It says right there. And they were afraid to ask him about this. And they didn't understand what was going on. And the next verse has got to be, had to have been absolutely angering to Jesus. Verse 46, an argument arose among which one of them was the greatest. (laughs) Focus! Who is more important in this room? Pastor Greg or Dennis? That's what I, I mean, everybody's got that question on their mind. Or who's more important, John or or? can't be you because I can't remember your name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jason. Yes, Jason. Uh, well, that's an easy I know there's so many Jasons. They're like, no, it's not that. It's, not. it's Justin. No, it's not. It's, not Justin. J- it's J- Jason. Justin. Who's more important? I mean, really, in this where do we rank in this room? I really we should we should know that, shouldn't we? I mean, it's kind of important. We should, because I mean so I don't know. Give me a break. The most important, the most important event in the history of man was week or two weeks from happening, and they are worried about which of them is more important? Distraction. Who's more important, Pastor Dan or me? Because because Pastor Dan, if it wasn't for Pastor Dan, I wouldn't be here. It, see, I mean, you can go there real quick, can't you? You can play that foolish game. Who's more important? Children's worker or what's happening right here? Because We don't know. But one of those kids might be getting born again right now. Glory to God. That's important. Gracious sakes. Worried about rank, worried about importance. Verse 47, but Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name, children's workers. What's more important, my job or the children's workers? Children's workers. In my heart, you don't have to have that, you know, it doesn't, re- doesn't really matter. I, I see it as important. It's so important. Vital. Vital. Parents who lead their kids to the Lord. Anybody who takes care of a child, whoever receives this child in my name, receives me, and whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is greatest. But that stuff can become a distraction. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried... They went right from distraction to distraction to distraction. He's just got done rebuking them because well we just you know stop discussing who's the greatest and then he went John John who's the beloved he's the guy who's had really had some stuff figured out immediately goes to but they're using your name too <laughs> Did you tell them they could use your name How come how come they get to use their name They've never been a part of us before How come how come Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him, for for the one who is not against you is for you. Then verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And actually, between here and the rest, we could go further. More distractions. They actually went to a Samaritan village first, and they, they wouldn't accept them. You know, there's times when, when people won't accept you. And that is a distraction, because you, you can get discouraged, and you can, you can give up. Well, they don't want to hear, they don't like me. Can you believe that they don't like me? How could that be? Inconceivable. And then Herod tries to pull him off. He wants to talk to him. No. Uh, there's a, one of the translation or one of the, uh, the Gospels says, Herod says, I want to talk to you. And he says, tell Herod I'll be there in a few days. I'll talk to him then. He did see him, didn't he? But then we get all the way, all the way to Palm Sunday. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know that accolades and welcome and cheering can be a distraction? Favor can be a distraction. Acceptance can be a distraction. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I was really looking for a meme to put up on the board this morning because there's something, you know. This next point I want to make, it just begs for somebody to and I found one but it wouldn't let me download it. So okay. I'll tell it to you. Jesus is riding in on a donkey. It says, Blessed is he who who comes in the name of the Lord. One week from Blessed is he who comes from the name of the Lord to crucify him, crucify him. And the bottom part says, But he loves you anyway. He he did it anyway. He wasn't he could have they wanted to make him king. They wanted to make him the king of Israel on that in that motion. And he's like you guys don't understand. I'm I am the he is the, he was the king of Israel. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords, but he had to go through the cross to get there. He had to die. He had to suffer. He had to bleed. He had to be beaten. He had to die on that cross. He had to be judged and and sentenced and, and executed alongside sinners because the price had to be paid. The price could not be paid by Jesus living forever on the throne in Jerusalem, being the king of Israel. He had to do what he did. The suffering did not deter him. He knew what was coming. It is very clear. He read Isaiah. And Isaiah said, like a lamb being led to the slaughter, he was disfigured and beaten beyond the recognition of a man. He knew what that meant. He knew what it meant in the word to say that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Anyone hung upon a tree is cursed. He knew he was going to become the curse so that we could be redeemed for the curse, from the curse. That did not deter him. He set his face. One of the the, the NIV, I believe, is the one that says it this way, and this this has, has hit me 30 plus years ago when I first came to the Lord and started reading through the Bible. The verse that says, He set his face resolutely for Jerusalem. Which means, it was another version says, that he set his face like flint. Meaning it was hard. I am going to Jerusalem. And no, nothing, no one, no distraction, nothing will stop me from accomplishing what the Father puts in front of me. Even the Garden of Gethsemane, when he says, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't trying to talk. He wasn't trying to get out of something. He was fulfilling prophecy when he said that, because he, d- he did not believe that the church would be faithful to him. And well, we've seen that. And it was a phrase used in a Jewish wedding. If the, if the groom-to-be did not believe the bride was going to be faithful, he would say to his father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will would be done. And the father had a choice to to say, no, you're going to marry the woman. Or, yes, you can get out of the marriage. He fulfilled prophecy by what he said there in that night. And he did it anyway. Wow. We need to set our face resolutely to the fulfillment of the promises, to the commandments, to the the plan and purpose that God has set in your life. God has placed you on a path. And there are things along that path that he has promised you. There are things that God has said to me, not only in the life of, for the life of this church, but in my own personal life. These are things that, you will, that, that will happen in your life. These are things that will, you will experience. These are things that you will accomplish. These are things that your family will accomplish. The Lord has spoken things over my children over my marriage. And I don't care what the distraction looks like. Being distracted, we, we we have to not care what the distraction is and keep moving forward anyway. And things will try to distract you. And if something comes and tries to pull you in a direction that is not God, you have got to act upon it and you need to deal with it. Jesus Jesus wasn't nice to it. get out of the way. You will not stop me. You will not hinder this plan and purpose of God. You have to set your face resolutely towards the fulfillment of his word and finish it. Your giftings and your callings are irrevocable. But they can be thwarted by your own choices. Choose. Choose to obey. Choose to fulfill. Choose. Father, your will be done, not mine. Stand, please. Jesus, there's no way that this morning we can thank you enough for what you did. So we're just going to have to take the rest of eternity and keep adding to our praise and to our honor and to our gratitude and to our expression of love to you. Thank you for being the example of faithfulness. Thank you for being the example of focus. Thank you for being the example of obedience and love. This day, we choose, I choose, your will be done. Each of us has that opportunity to choose, and Lord, right now, I choose, and we choose, that your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father, for the mission, the vision you've placed in front of us, and that as we walk forward, as we set our face resolutely to fulfill your plan and purpose, that the name of Jesus will be lifted up. That the name of Jesus will be honored and exalted in every way. In every place. Not the the name of River Valley Christian Church, not the name of John Neitzel, not the name of any individual, but the name of Jesus Christ will be honored and exalted in this valley, in Jesus' name. Father, we commit our ways unto you. Your word says that when we commit our ways unto you, that you bless the work of our hands. Father, none of this is my idea. This is your idea. And we are following you. I am so honored and amazed at those that you've placed here to fulfill this vision together. And I'm extremely humbled that you've asked me to be the leader of this. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. Thank you, Father, for those who are with us, even outside of these walls. Thank you, Father, for Grandy, River Valley Christian Church Grandy, who are praying for us this morning. For River Valley Christian Church St. Croix Falls, who are praying for us for New Life Family Church in New Richmond who are praying for us. Ministries and missionaries all over the world that are praying for us as we take take this step of obedience. I thank you for it, Father, that we have the victory. We're not looking for the victory. We have the victory. Because your word says so. And we thank you, Lord, that you'll receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.